the doorbell apps, this is your day. I don't, what do I do? Do I turn the app off for today? Is that what I'm supposed to have done? I don't know. Every three seconds, I got another ring notification. There's motion at your front door. And I'm sitting here, and I'm just like, I, I guess, okay, fine. And then there was another part of me. So this is why I didn't know what to do with this. So I'm obviously, this is the first Halloween for my daughter. She is eight months old. And so we, I mean, we ended up doing Halloween on Thursday. We went to one of the malls, had like this, uh, this little Halloween and I'm off on Thursday. So we went on there and, you know, she dressed up as an avocado. Today she's a flamingo. A couple days ago, uh, she was a pumpkin. She's, she's done a lot of different changes, but I'm using my ring camera and I can see the people that are like trick or treating. And I, I, like my daughter's out there, she's, you know, she's like, again, eight months, so she's not really doing anything, but my wife's out there, and she's handing out the candy, and she's doing everything like that, and I don't know, I, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about the fact that, uh, like, this is me partaking in Halloween, but I'm just doing it through this ring camera, and I'm like coming in and out, and it's not like I'm sitting here just watching the ring camera, like right now, obviously, it's done, it's off, I got no use for it, I have a show to do, but like 20 minutes ago, when I was getting ready for the show, but I'm also kind of, hey, what's going on in life? I felt a little weird. I almost felt like there should have been a sign or something that like let kids know, like, hey, okay, so somebody is, they, they, they have the ring camera, it is notifying them every single, every 30 seconds, and the only way to shut it off is if they, is if they go live, basically. I need to just, I just got to turn off the app is what this is. This is as, as annoying as some of the betting apps that I have where they're nonstop. You're like, hey, we boosted this promo to plus 350. I'm like, I'm already in on it at plus 275. You're just, you're, you're just putting salt in the wound. Anyway, hope you guys are enjoying your Halloween. Hope you guys had a lot of candy. I have not figured out uh, exactly how much candy. That's really what I was trying to figure out was how much candy my wife has given away. And whether or not I'm going to have some for later on tonight, I ended up eating a bunch of candy earlier today because I'm, I'm convinced that she's just at the very end of the night is just going to say, take it all. Take it all. My husband needs none of it. Take it all. Anyway, that sounded very, um, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to make sure that I balance out. I balance out the idea that I'm very angry and I'm very mad today. And I'm going to try to make sure that it doesn't show because it's a, it's a Halloween. It's supposed to be a fun day for people, right? A little spooky for people, maybe. I don't know. It's also like an awesome sports night as well. We'll keep you up to date. I, I expect Ohio State to be the number one team in the country tonight. Might end up going to Georgia. I'll get mad about that as well. Not that I defend Ohio State or anything, but you got the better resume. You deserve to be number one. World Series in action. We got a Knicks-Cavs game in action. Charles Barkley is going to be commentating on the Cavs all throughout the night, so that's got to be a lot of fun. We'll make sure Jake cuts up some of that audio, and we have that locked and ready to go. Anytime Charles says anything, it's always fun. And now I'm just doing that thing where I'm avoiding talking about the Browns because I know I'm going to make a lot of you guys mad. I know I'm going to make a lot of you guys mad. I know I'm going to make a lot of you guys upset, but I, it's just how I feel. This is what I do here. I just I talk about how I feel about things, and I tell you my opinions and my thoughts and everything else, and I just got to tell you, flat out, I'm upset the Browns did nothing. I don't know. I can't put lipstick on the pig. I can't make this one sound pleasant and nice. If you want nice radio, go find something else for right now because I'm not going to be nice radio tonight. Uh, maybe later when the Cavs are done, we can play nice radio. Or maybe with Ohio State, we'll play nice radio. So maybe you don't have to be, you know, please don't go, stay. But really, I, I'm not going to be nice tonight. I can't be. I don't know how you guys could be. Hey, think about it from my perspective. All right, this is my life. This is uh, every single day. All I do is think about the Browns in some capacity, okay? 
And all I want is for this Browns team to be really, really good. Because I want them to be good for a couple different reasons. One, if they're good, my business is better. This show is better when they're good. It's more fun to talk about a good football team. Also, more of you guys listen when they're good. It's good for business when they're good. I want them to be good. The weirdest rhetoric that gets out there consistently is the idea that sports talk radio hosts don't want the teams they cover to be any good. That's insane. The more people invested, the more people interested, the higher my ratings, the better everything else in my life is, okay? I want this team to be good from a a selfish perspective. And then also, I think about this team more than I think about anything else in life. I I can't name a single thing in my life that I think about more than this football team. There's certainly not anything in my life that I talk about more than this football team. So, ergo, I'm going to want them to be really, really good because I'm heavily invested I am a kid from the south side of Chicago, and I've kicked the Bears to the curb a long time ago. Made a big trade today, the Bears did. You know how much I thought about it? Like 30 seconds, and I moved on. That was it. I don't care. I don't care. I root for the Browns. I care about the Browns' success. That's what I'm here for. And what bothers me is when days like today happen, and they come and they go, And it feels like I care, and I can see these things. I can see what the Browns need to do. And for whatever reason, they just don't pull the trigger. I just, I can't explain it. I can't figure it out, and it's bothering the living daylights out of me. I don't know why Andrew Barry decided to stay pat today, and the only move that they made was trading Donovan Peoples-Jones. Usually I can come up with something. Come up with some sort of reasoning, some sort of explanation. Come up with something. But you can't possibly tell me that P.J. Walker and Elijah Moore and Jerome Ford mixed with Kareem Hunt mixed with every other running back they want to bring on here is the right answer for this team long term. You can't tell me it's the answer until Deshaun gets back. And then even then, it's not the answer. I love Amari, so I'm not going to dog Amari here. But Amari Cooper and then Elijah Moore, your one-two punch at wide receiver, that is nobody's one-two punch at wide receiver. That's not what you want. Your running back room is three guys. Three guys. I like Jerome Ford. Sure, I, I said yesterday how much I like Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong was casted off by New England, a team that went 32 consecutive drives without scoring a touchdown. He was casted off like he was no good at football at all. And then we got Kareem Hunt. What are we doing? What do we do? We did nothing offensively. We're in the worst offenses in the NFL. We don't know when our quarterback is coming back. And they just sat on their hands and let this deadline come and go. I'm with, I'm not shocked that they didn't go get a quarterback, okay? I'm not shocked about that. That, that part I was telling you guys for two weeks, I thought their ego was going to be too much in play. I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version in case you need to catch up really quickly. I don't know where you've been hiding for two weeks. We've been hanging out, been having a good time. But for two weeks, I've been telling you they're not going to get a quarterback at the deadline because what Stefanski really thinks Stefanski can do best is take any old quarterback and make them be good. P.J. Walker is not that guy, though. Through three weeks, he has been the worst-rated quarterback according to PFF and according to basically every metric I could find. There's not a single quarterback that is worse over the three games that he's played. He hasn't been good. Sure, the games have been good for the Browns as far as being 2-1, and one, but he hasn't been good. I mean, my goodness, he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. What is this, like 1985 football? It's insane to me. Wildly inaccurate, all things considered. But I don't understand it. 
I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can sit there and see all these wide receivers on the open market. And it's not just the Browns that I would be yelling at. If I was doing radio in Kansas City right now, I'd be wondering, how did you get McCole Hardman two weeks ago? And that's the only thing you could do. Patrick Mahomes, sick or not sick, just played a game in Denver where he got one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. And a drop pass after drop pass, they didn't do anything about it. A lot of teams sat on their hands today. A lot of teams watch teams like the 49ers that are really trying to make a, a Super Bowl push, land premier talent for what is essentially, it was basically as free as the Halloween candy you're giving out tonight. They're going to get a conditional back in return if they don't sign him uh, for some sort of extension. That third-round pick is coming right back. It's, it's boomeranging right back into their pocket. We're watching some teams sit on their hands, and then we're watching some other teams that we respect, some other teams that we really do admire, like San Francisco, like Philadelphia, make moves to bolster up their roster. They get Kevin Byard, uh, one of the top defensive backs in the game, all pro, pro bowler, everything you'd want. And I'm just sitting here like, what what happened? How did we get in this situation? How did we get to a spot where the Browns can sit there, do nothing, and feel good about it. So I ask you guys, 216-474-0092. And this isn't a telethon. I'm not asking for your money to contribute to whatever cause you do or don't believe in. I'm asking you to contribute to a conversation, okay? 216-474-0092. Are you upset the Browns didn't make a significant move at the deadline? I, I, I don't know how... Nick and Dustin continue on with their show, if I'm being honest about it. They're pros. That's the only guess I can make. I don't know how they did it. I was sitting there, and maybe maybe it was just too much excitement from the day. And leading up to it, you start to hear some uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett and Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry rumors. You're like, oh, wow, that would be cool. How cool would that be to have him here? Like, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. And then you think about some other prospects. I mean, how many people have thrown out Jerry Judy's name in the previous 48 hours or so, and you just think about some of these other names, and you're like, they're going to do something. I trust they're going to do something. I believe that they can do something. And then it comes and passes, and the only move they make is Donovan Peoples-Jones of the Lions for a song. I, I don't know how they did this. And I don't know. You tell me. Is it because Andrew Barry has gotten fat and happy with the idea that he can just whatever for this year? I mean, is that what that's... Does he think he did so much in this offseason that he can just, uh, I'm good. Uh, my job is safe. Because I, I got to tell you, that's the wrong mentality. You're going to be judged on what happens with Deshaun Watson ultimately. Wouldn't you want to give Deshaun Watson the best opportunity to, to succeed? Isn't that the idea here? Wouldn't you want to give him the best opportunity to maybe have a chance when he comes back to succeed? Because the wide receivers right now aren't it. The run game isn't it. Our offensive line is... Patched together piece by piece, injury after injury, and Jedrick Wills after Jedrick Wills. I sound like I'm going to church right now. My goodness. But that's how I feel. I mean, maybe I need to go to church. I don't know. I, I need something in my life because right now the Browns aren't it. It is so infuriating to me to end up in a situation where the trade deadline is a tool that you can use. It is an avenue that you can use to get better, and the Browns just sat there and did nothing. 216-474-0092. Let me in on your thoughts I'm going to need to hear from you guys tonight because if it's all me all night, I'm worried about what's going to happen. Me with my thoughts on a day like today, although it's very therapeutic and I appreciate you guys letting me do it. It's very therapeutic for me to get off my takes, my ideas, my thoughts. I'm going to need your help, though, because I don't know how you can let today go by and think to yourself, oh, yeah, they did enough.
That's a good job by the Browns. Good job sitting there and rolling back third-string running backs and uh, a bunch of wide receivers with the exception of Amari Cooper that we don't know what the hell they are. I mean, my goodness. I just It's just so infuriating. And you guys know I, it's just because I care. It's, it's because I care and I want this team to be good, and I don't want to have to go through a million years of bad to get there. Uh, is it the third third straight year that they would be punting, essentially? And I don't think they're punting completely. That's not what I'm saying, but I... They're not giving themselves a true chance, a true chance to either help out Deshaun Watson, help out P.J. Walker. I mean, you think we're going with this roster up against the Ravens? Hey, fine, we're going to get by against the Cardinals. We're expected to go. You know how good the Ravens are right now? They have the number one scoring defense in the NFL, and Lamar Jackson right now seems like him and Todd Munkin are clicking on all cylinders. They got that offense rolling, and we're supposed to give – whether it's P.J. Walker, Deshaun Watson, or Jesus Christ, I don't know who it's going to be. Whoever our quarterback is is going to have Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. And then Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt and Pierre Strong. And then uh, an offensive line that's taped together by uh, by, by glue and sticks. I, I It's so, it's ridiculous. I don't know how they didn't do it. I, I, whether it would have been a top running back, top wide receiver, you had to do something today. They did nothing. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Are you as upset as I am? The Browns didn't make a significant move at the deadline, and talk me out of it. Tell me I'm uh, tell me I'm going overboard if you want to. Tell me that you think I'm being a little ridiculous here. I just don't know how you justify it. I I, I don't know what this front office is doing. I'm befuddled today. Let's figure it out. Dan Lobby at 8 o'clock. Daryl Ryder at 920. Cavs when they wrap up. We got the World Series. We got college football rankings coming out. It is a loaded show. Glad to be with you guys. Even though I'm a little irritated, happy to be with you guys as always. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle in here with you on the fan. They've gotten their thoughts together, and they have made a vote. It's Ohio State number one. And can I be honest with you? So I, I coming into this this show tonight, I, I did a little bit in, in the idea of thinking Ohio State versus Georgia at number one. And I was ready to make a very passionate case for Ohio State at number one. You guys know, my, I decide my favorite college football team. I got a new one every three hours. It's who I'm gambling on. That's, that's how I do college football. I don't root for Ohio State. I don't root against Ohio State. I watch every Ohio State game because... Even though we don't talk about it a crazy amount of time, uh, time like relative to what we do with the Cavs, the Guardians, and and especially the Browns, I'm invested. I care for sure. Resume matters. That's what they're telling you here. The resume matters. Now, last season, the committee ranked Tennessee number one in its first rankings. Georgia ranked number three. Days later, the Bulldogs beat the Vols, and it was a completely different story. So I just I don't want to get too wrapped up in this, and please feel free two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's the early portion. What they're telling you right now is that the win over Notre Dame, the win against Penn State, and the fact that Georgia hasn't beat a, a three legged starving dog is yeah. I mean that's a that's mean anybody but that is it's a problem there for Georgia that they're going to have to eventually beat a ranked team. They've not been able to beat ranked opponents because they haven't played ranked opponents. The committee is giving Ohio State the benefit of the doubt because they've beaten two top ten teams. Here's why this matters a ton, though. And here's why the rankings and what they did tonight matters big time. If Ohio State loses to Michigan, their only loss would then be against a team that the committee now thinks is the third best team in the country. Ohio State, in my opinion, 
And obviously there are some, there's some leeway here when there's five undefeated teams, for sure. Florida State's number four. Washington is number five. Oregon's the top-ranked one-loss team in the rankings at number six. Texas, one spot ahead of Alabama. Uh, and that was thanks to its, its strength of its head-to-head win over the Tide back in September. The interesting thing here, though, is that as long as one of those teams eventually loses in some sort of fashion that isn't the Ohio State-Michigan game, Ohio State can effectively afford they can afford to lose that game to Michigan, and they'd still be in the college football playoff because they'd have the, the same one loss as everybody else, right? Everyone else that is outside of the top five starting with Oregon, and their one loss would be as good as it gets because it's a team that is currently in the top three. And as of right now, the committee is looking at it and saying, Ohio State, you have the best resume out of anybody. I know that's a long, convoluted way of putting that out there, but it's how the committee works. There's layers to this stuff. There's always there's always layers to the college football playoff committee. We got to look around and be like, okay, so this is if this happens, then this happens. We all end up looking like uh, like Charlie Day, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. We're just we're sitting there and we're trying to connect all the dots and do all the this goes here and this goes here and this goes here. It's just it's how it works. But this was great news for Ohio State. At the end of the day, that's all you need to know. This was fantastic news for Ohio State. They end up getting the nod, the number one spot in the country. And ultimately, it leaves them a path where they can lose to Michigan and still end up in the college football playoff, a very similar path that they played out last year. I mean, this is it. This is why you, I mean, and you should. You should get rewarded for playing a team like Notre Dame, going out of your conference, and then winning that game the way that they did. There was no style points there. They just had to win it. That's what we always talk about. People are like, oh, it's such a close Notre Dame game. Uh, Marcus Freeman had him down to the very end. If he didn't do uh, the, the single play where he had uh, multiple plays, where he had 10 men on the field, maybe it's different. It's like, who cares? You fast forward two months, who cares? Nobody cares. Just win. Hate to put it that way, but it's true. In college football, nobody remembers how it went down. They just remember whether or not you won or lost that game against Notre Dame. They won that game. They got two top 10 victories, and they get rewarded for it. That's how this works. I'm happy for Ohio State in that instance. I'm also happy for them in the instance that you can lose to Michigan and be all right now. I really do believe that. Unless unless everyone else runs the table. Unless Michigan runs the table. Unless Florida State, Washington, all of them run the table. And even that, I mean, we're looking at this and it's fine. It's, it's Florida State, it's Washington, it's Michigan, and then it's Georgia at the top. The, if they all go undefeated, which seems very, very hard and doesn't seem like it's likely to happen. If they all go undefeated, that's the only way you're on the outside looking in. Now you can afford a loss to Michigan, basically, because one of those four teams, they're going to end up losing at least once. Now, you can spin this around, too, the other way. And maybe here's where if I was a Michigan fan, I'd make the case about Michigan and Ohio State and be like, well, we get the one loss, too, because if uh, Florida State ends up losing, and they played a couple close games, if Florida State ends up losing, well, we're in if we end up losing to Ohio State. And all, in all honesty, it does kind of degrade the game itself. It, it does limit the impact of what the game means. But I think every Ohio State fan needs to accept that and take that because right now I don't know. I don't know right now whether or not uh, if we're if we're just being honest about it. I don't know right now if you should be thinking that way. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Peterwin. A couple other nuggets here. At this time, 
So, like, when they first come out with the rankings, only one national champion that was ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings each week that went the whole entire distance finished the whole distance, and that was uh, 2020 Alabama. So I get the crowd that wants to tell you and clap back and be like, Jonathan, it really doesn't matter. It'll work itself out. I, I get that. I You guys get that. I get that. If you made me bet my paycheck right now in a battle between Georgia and Ohio State, I'm not taking Ohio State right now. Uh, Kyle McCord isn't playing good enough football in my mind. I was always more of a Devin Brown guy, but that's neither here nor there. You obviously had uh, a bunch of injuries to the run game. You had another big injury today. Ohio State doesn't feel like a team that is going to roll through a bunch of really top quality teams consistently. But as of right now, they're the only team that can say they got two top win- top ten wins. So they deserve to be the number one overall team. Simple as that. I really thought we were going to get a battle here. Honestly, I really did. I thought it was going to be Ohio State versus Georgia. I thought the, the battle between those two. I, I was expecting Georgia to be number one. And then I was expecting to go off in favor of Ohio State. But it looks like the committee got it right. And because the committee does tell you that they value what happened. And they value what happened. With the wins over Penn State and uh, Notre Dame, well, here we go. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, all undefeated. Then it goes Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, all the way down the list. Michigan, you can make an argument, by the way, has played a weaker schedule than Georgia. Their schedule, their strength of schedule right now is number 111 in the country. I, I think it's kind of fascinating that... And the, the committee, because it rotates and you get a, a different set of committee every few years, I always find it interesting what they value and what they don't value. And the early impression on this committee is that they value who you play and they value your strength of schedule and they value you taking on tough opponents. And right now, Ohio State is the benefactor of that. That doesn't mean if they were to play on a neutral field tomorrow, Ohio State is a better team than Georgia. It doesn't mean they're a better team than Michigan. It doesn't even mean they're better than Florida State. But what's nice about this, the way that this is starting to unfold and the way this is starting to take shape, as of right now, you're not really worried about Alabama. You're not worried about some of the traditional powers that we typically see. You're still worried about Georgia, obviously. They're still undefeated. You're still worried about Michigan, obviously. They're still undefeated. But you're not worried about some of the traditional schools that tend to hang around a little bit longer and should be in this photo and should be involved in these conversations. LSU already with two losses. Alabama with that one loss as well. Some of these schools that USC that was entering with Caleb Williams and expected to have a monster season, they already had two losses. A lot of these different schools, it just feels like for this year, for right now, I mean, Ohio State's in the driver's seat. It's a great spot to be in. You got Not only are you in the driver's seat, you also have some room and some flexibility if things don't go right in the game. Things don't go right against Michigan. It's not the end of the world. The committee has, has told you they value what you did against Notre Dame. They value what you did against Penn State. And they're rewarding you for not taking the easy way out. Not taking the Michigan easy way out. The Georgia easy way out. I mean, honestly, who's Georgia played this year? Georgia's played absolutely nobody. Name me a team that Michigan's played this year. All these people ranting and raving about the investigation and everything else attached to Michigan. Michigan's played nobody this year. That's why, that's why this is important. And that's why it's a good sign for Ryan Day. It's a good sign for Ohio State. 
you got two top uh, 15 victories over Penn State and Notre Dame. Georgia's got zero top 25 wins at the moment and a strength of schedule that ranks number 100. Bulldogs have only beaten two FBS teams with winning records. Think about that for a second. I was ready, ready to go off on the committee if they chose Georgia over Ohio State. They got the call right, and Ohio State has some breathing room because of it. Now, it's it's not as if everything's given and everything's done moving forward. This is just the beginning. 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I'm at Jay Peterlin. Will in Denver. I'm going to lead us off here on the fan. Well, Will. What's up? Love the show. Listen on the app today out here in Denver, but I will say that I'm not a Buckeye fan by any means. I think they're overrated by who they played. And it's a joke by the committee. Like, they just want Michigan and Ohio State to play for the national championship. Just make it that because that's what they're doing. Setting it up so that no matter who loses, we'll play a game and then end up playing each other. It's stupid. Just as bad as Stefanski being the Browns coach. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Will. I appreciate you. It's what's funny about that. Well, first off, a couple things. And we'll get back to the Browns in just a few minutes. I promise you that. What's funny is that he had to slide the, the Stefanski hate in there. He's like, I don't really. Tell us how you really feel, Will. I, I like that, that. Well, you're just mad because he, you know, poo pooed your Buckeyes. That's all it is. Now, as a Buckeye guy, you should be a little mad that the game is going to be rendered essentially meaningless. Now, you're not mad because the big picture, you're probably going to make the college football playoff. Unless you vomit all over your shoes, you're, you're set to make the college football playoff. As long as that Michigan game is relatively close and tight, both teams are in the college football playoff. Absolutely. And I think it doesn't even have to be one versus two. I don't think that's the goal of the committee here. And I do think, based on what we've seen on the field, and I don't know if you want to count everything off the field, I do wonder if that impacted things, by the way, but um, what you've seen on the field, U of M is one of the best teams in the country right now. And we know that. They return 84% of their players. Uh, They have, uh, between Donovan and Quorum, they're one of the best running back tandems you can have in the country. They have every right to be number three in the country right now. J.J. McCarthy has been called a combination of Josh Allen meets Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, that was by Jim Harbaugh, but someone still said it. It still that those words still came out of somebody's mouth. They're a really good team, but they played nobody. They played absolutely nobody, and this is the committee's way. I don't think this is the committee saying, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and slap you on the wrist for what happened with the investigation and everything like that," because it's equal across the board. They're doing the same thing they did to Georgia. Georgia's played just as weak of a schedule. Georgia's played just as soft of a schedule. They're just making it fair, is all they're doing. They're just turning around and saying, "All right." What hap- what's happening to Georgia is also happening to Michigan. We're going to reward the team that played the harder games. And it's not like they mean that Ohio State is and would be the favorite according to Vegas on a neutral site. Because I don't think they're the favorite against Georgia. I don't think they're the favorite against Michigan on a neutral site. Not according to Vegas, where emotions get taken completely out of it. You know those guys in Vegas, all they care about is their money. They follow the green brick road. That's all that matters to them. I think on a neutral site, Ohio State is not favored against either one of them, but that's not what the committee was asked to do. The committee's asked to look at the body of work, and we can't be giving these teams all the credit in the world for what happened in the previous couple years. Like I I can't give Georgia credit. How many straight wins does Georgia have right now? An insanely high number. They haven't lost, and we're going on years with an S, okay? But I can't just reward them. They have a brand-new quarterback, completely different offense, yeah, their defense is awesome, averaging 16 points a game, number one in, in the entire country. But you can't give them the number one slot based off of history. What I love about college football is even though it's it's just it's rich in tradition and it's rich in the idea of great programs and 
big programs always getting the benefit of the doubt and all this. Every year for the committee should be treated like a blank slate. And for this year, you can't possibly tell me that two teams' strength of schedule outside of the top 100, 100 and 111, should be anywhere close to the Buckeyes with two top 10 wins. It just doesn't work that way. You get rewarded for taking on Notre Dame and then Penn State and taking care of business. And that's what's happening here. All right. Leave that there. 216474 to below 92. This is a good reprieve for me to not just get all hot and bothered over what happened with the Browns today and the really the inaction that happened with the Browns today. We got to go ahead and calm ourselves down. We got to talk about the Buckeyes a little bit. I got to sound like a little bit of a, a homer, but you guys know I have a new favorite college football team every three hours. It's the one I'm gambling on. That's all I really care about. But it's nice to it's nice to be in the bag for Ohio State for once, okay? It's nice. feels good to give an argument for Ohio State and be like, yeah, I mean, this is just common sense. It's all I ever do, but this is this is just common sense for Ohio State. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Appreciate those guys waiting patiently to get back to the Brownies. We're gonna do it next. We come on back. Are you upset the Browns didn't make a significant move at the deadline? Dan Lobby joining the show at eight. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on the fan. That's all. That's all I'm doing. I'm paying money to be in on the joke with my college buddies uh, to what people are you know talking about and staying up to date with. Hey, my one, uh, you know, I was in Chicago a couple weekends ago, and every college buddy I have is at this wedding. And one of my really good buddies, uh, he was my college roommate for all four years. He comes up, he goes, if you don't understand, I just, I live for this fantasy football team. <laughs> I'm like, what? You don't even like football. What do you mean you live for this fantasy football? It's like, I live for this fantasy football team. I just spent hours going through different trades and going through different moves. And I'm like, all right, hey, more power to you. Feel bad if I beat him after putting zero effort and work into it all, but he says he's like I'm going crazy. I'm like, all right, good. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Yeah, the college football Ohio State conversation kind of calmed me down in a nice way. So I want to hear from you guys. Are you upset the Browns didn't make a significant move at the deadline? Dan Lobby, Cleveland.com is going to join us coming up in about fifteen minutes. My take on it was I don't know how you can just sit there and do nothing. It just made no sense to me. I, I, I listen, Stefanski does not have much control here. He can go in Andrew Barry's office like he's already an entourage with the paintball gun. It's not going to change anything. But I thought the two of them were simpatico. I thought they were on the same page that they needed to win this year or there was a potential reality that they were going to lose their jobs. That was not the energy of people that felt like they were going to lose their jobs. And that's got to be the big outcome here. Excuse me. It didn't feel like that was the energy of people that thought if I don't make a big time trade, I'm going to lose my job. And I got some tweets in and our Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. People suggesting like, well, where are they supposed to get the picks from? Where are they supposed to, where are they supposed to get the cap space from? It's like, well, that's for the next guy. If you don't figure it out, you're out of your job. I don't know what part of that people don't understand. If they don't figure this out, they lose their gig. I just don't know. I, I We fundamentally think differently. If you can feel like you're on the hot seat, and 4-3 and three does not take Stefanski off the hot seat. I know the big uh, talking point this past week was to suggest that he's closer to winning Coach of the Year than he is to being fired. Okay, he's on the hot seat. He entered the hot seat three games of P.J. Walker having the worst offense in the NFL doesn't take you off the hot seat, okay? he's uh, You can't possibly think entering this year in the position he was in, 
and the moves they made suggesting they knew where they were at. The Tomlinsons, the Darius Smith deals, Juan Thornhill making the moves to bolster that defensive line and the changes they made. You can't possibly tell me they didn't understand the ramifications of this year. I just don't know how at four and three they look around and say, yeah, we're good with this for the rest of the year. We're good with P.J. Walker. And I was, I said for weeks they weren't going to go ahead and trade for another quarterback. But the part I'm a little surprised by is they didn't trade for a running back or a wide receiver. That, that part I did think was coming. And I think that's where I'm disappointed today. 216474 to below 92. That guy, going to lead off our Browns conversation today. Hello, that guy. Oh, hey, JT. What's going on? Why do you have the energy of a dead guy? I thought I, uh, Jay told me you're all fired up today. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, <laughs> I I am I am 100% on board with you with everything you're saying, and I am 1,000% upset about this. <laughs> like, nothing, none of it made any sense. Okay, DPJ. All right, he posted like 800 yards receiving last season. All right, that. That's not a bad stat line. I don't understand what the mentality is here. We gave him up for a 2025 sixth-round pick. And they clearly okay. wanted him gone. For whatever reason, he didn't what fit is, in with either was it Watson, was it P.J. Walker. Here, I don't know. There is no leverage what here. What is the leverage? There's okay? no leverage there. I thought for sure I thought for certain they were going to use that as a means to get to acquire like Jacoby Brissett or something like that. But then they didn't. Right whoa, whoa, that guy. We don't say that there. All right, we'll let you go. We'll give him the warning shot. He's a good caller. He's a good tweeter. We'll give him the warning shot. You know, got a little carried away. It's okay. It's all right. I got you. Michael Bohm's got you protected as well. We're okay. 216-474-0092. John in Cleveland. Hello, John. Yeah, I'm not upset about them making a trade because there was no trade to make. I don't think they were lacking in any other area except outside of the terrible quarterback play we've been watching. And they messed that up in no, they've been getting open. It's just the quarterback play has been so terrible. You think we're good at running back? Yeah, I like Pierre Strong and Hunt in uh, Ford. Right. I think Get they played well. Weeks. Get back to me in a few weeks on that, John. But but I'm, I'm just, gonna hold you to I, that one. I'm gonna hold you to that. I'll, in, in I will three, be there. Weeks. I'll be right. I'll be front and center to eat crow. But I think I they've been playing well. But I think the uh, front office screwed us up in the off season when they didn't make sure that we had a solid start, a uh, solid backup quarterback. For the quarterback room, that's where they screwed this all up. They're not looking to add. They're looking to add assets, not players. Which makes no sense to me, John, and I appreciate the call as always. Why would you look to add assets if you don't know if you're going to be here next year? You really don't think you're going to be employed next year. Why are you stockpiling assets like they're Beanie Babies in the 90s? It makes no sense to me. If you thought you were going to be gone, you had one year to fix everything. Aren't you just mortgaging the entire farm and then some to try to make sure that you do keep your job? Like if I got a tip that I had three months to get this, to get my affairs in order or else I was losing this radio show, do you know what I'm doing for those three months? Now I work hard on this show as it is. You guys know that. But you know what I'm doing for those three months? 
I am calling in every favor of every person I've ever come in contact with to try to get, like, the best guest imaginable, to try to have the best insight imaginable. Maybe I'll break some news or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that answer would be, but I know I would turn over every stone to try to get there. Promise you that. This didn't feel like that to me. This felt like a, an organization that thought to themselves, we've done enough uh, We've done enough with an absence of Deshaun Watson that we can kind of, eh, it's all right. We'll roll out the ball and see what happens. Like, how is that your mentality? I, I That's the part that blows my mind. How is that your mentality? Either they really do believe that at four and three, they've somehow uh, found their good graces with Jimmy Haslam, and they, they, they have a chance to go ahead and have their jobs for a very long time, and they don't have to worry about this stuff. Or they just don't care. And honestly, the way they act, either one could be on the table. I know it sounds harsh, but either one could be on the table because a, I can't comprehend thinking that you could be out of your job, be on the hot seat, and then make no moves. You know what happens when you're in a situation like they're in and you you don't make moves to go ahead and try to benefit three years from now and then you do get fired? Uh, the team logo that you'll be wearing that isn't the Browns doesn't care. And Browns fans won't all of a sudden be like, yeah, but thank goodness he saved us that third-round pick two years from now. No, they're going to be like, you failed. You failed. You didn't get the job done. Meanwhile, if you go to the postseason, save your job, win a postseason game, we got everything to discuss and then some. Then maybe you save your gig. And then maybe we're thinking, oh, things can get turned around and these guys do know what they're doing. And, yeah, are we stuck in, in pick hell? Of course we would be. A lot of teams get that way. Deshaun Watson put us there to begin with anyway. No one's going to think you're going to have to turn a bunch of six-rounders into first-rounders, but my goodness, doing nothing just felt like the absolute worst move, and it's not a move that I would have done myself. 216-474 to below 92. I just, I just couldn't comprehend the idea that I was on the hot seat, and that's what I came up with. Nothing. A big nothing burger today, except getting rid of DPJ. Okay, sweet. Joe and Medina. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I want to uh, talk about the quarterback. I was a little disappointed. I was hoping they were going to get uh, Brissett. But what's your thoughts on this? Do you think they didn't because they, you know, obviously they must feel Watson's not going to be out that long, and, yeah. and that's why they didn't get him? Yeah, I do think that, uh, Joe, and, and I appreciate the call. I do think that. I think that they believe that Deshaun Watson won't be out that long, but they also believed that a month ago uh, when they were telling us that it was uh, week by week and they expect him to be back uh, momentarily. I mean, they, they believe that the entire time. I, I, I don't know why they don't understand that concept. But, 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 all right, I shouldn't say don't understand that concept. I believe they understand that concept. I believe they know that Deshaun Watson could be gone for an extended period of time. He could be back this uh, week after Arizona. They know that. I, I just think they don't care because they, they believe that they can get P.J. Walker to be great. They think that they can get P.J. Walker to be way better than he has been. The, the example I was using for the previous week and a half in explaining why I don't think they'll end up with a quarterback and why I was convinced they wouldn't trade for a quarterback was it was a steakhouse restaurant example, right? Where if you have 12 steakhouses, they're all successful. You're going to think if the 13th that you open isn't working very well, you're going to think I can get that 13th where it needs to be because I got 12 others that are awesome. Kevin Stefanski has only ever gotten bad quarterbacks or mediocre quarterbacks to have the best season they've ever had. Case Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, the list goes on and on. So he believes that he can do this. But P.J. Walker can't. Not through three weeks. And I don't know if ever. 
but it's the audacity they have and the ego attached to this that they believe that whether it's P.J. Walker or whoever, they should be able to have the ability to scheme those guys open and to make basically anyone look competent because Kyle Shanahan can do that. And so Kevin Stefanski can't handle that somebody else in the NFL can do it when he should be able to as well. That's just my true thoughts on it. And I can't blame him. He's had a mountain of success in his life. He has a massive ego attached to all this because he should, because he's been, he's a head coach in the NFL. You should have, you should have confidence you can do this. You should have confidence you can do that. But through three weeks, he hasn't been able to prove it to me that he can. Or you guys for that matter. For more on this, for more of the lack of moves to the deadline, what exactly was the deal with the Donovan Peoples Jones trade? A six rounder? You got him for a, a song in return? All right. Dan Lobby, Cleveland.com, with his insight and more. He'll join us next right here on The Fan.